Welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company in 2020. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. In this episode, we hear from Steve Johnson, founder of Forager Funds, a unique Australian funds management company with approximately $315 million of funds under management and a focus on long-term investing. Having been self-employed for over 20 years, Steve shares advice on how to manage working with a business partner who is first and foremost a friend, why your stakeholders aren't just your clients, and that it is critical to learn how to do recruitment well in order to be successful. Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for joining today. It would be wonderful if you could just give a brief introduction as to who you are and what your company is and the name of your company. Hi, Juliet. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm Steve Johnson. I run a funds management business out of Australia called Forager Funds Management. We invest clients' money in two funds. One of them's Australian-listed stocks and the other one is global, so we invest all over the world. And the two of them add up to about 320 million Australian dollars, uh, about 200 million pounds or so. And yeah, that's what we do. We're a team of 10. We operate out of Sydney and we try and make our clients money. Fantastic. And how long have you been doing this? Well, I've been doing this business since 2009 uh, when I founded it, but it was actually born under the umbrella of another company called Intelligent Investor, which I joined and then a friend and I bought way back in 2004. So I haven't applied for a job for almost 20 years now. And what was it that made you want to do this and be your own boss? The honest truth with me is I didn't really plan that much. I was working in uh, London from Macquarie back in my mid-20s and I knew pretty early on in investment banking that it wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. I looked around me and saw a lot of people in their 40s with children at very expensive private schools not really enjoying their job but not thinking that they could do anything else because they needed the money and I thought, well, I'm single and I'm 24 or 5, if I'm ever going to get out of this industry, it needs to be now. So I sort of quit investment banking before I had any idea what I wanted to do. And this friend of mine that I had invested with from a very early age, his name's Greg Hoffman, he called me while I was in London and he said, how about you come back to Australia? I'm working for this small company here in Sydney and the two guys who started it are are looking to get out and maybe we can try and get some money together and and buy that business off them and try and build something out of that. So I'd always been very interested in investing and even at Macquarie I tried to angle my way into that part of the the bank and I, I didn't really sit down though and say this is absolutely what I wanted to do for a career. It sort of landed in my lap and I said, well, that sounds like a a sensible path or a sensible next step for me to take and and yeah one thing led to another and led to where I am today and I actually say that to a lot of people about my path in life it wasn't predetermined and I think it actually is very hard to predetermine things too far in advance if you can you're better off understanding you know what what your rough principles are that you want to live your life by and then be flexible around um, what life might throw at you in terms of opportunities. That's an incredible piece of advice that I think you've just given us is that 
don't, it doesn't really matter if you don't have the full plan in place. Yeah, and I think some flexibility around that. I think understanding what it is that makes you happy, then being as flexible as you possibly can about what what sort of path that might take you down. Because I think you know life doesn't necessarily throw you the opportunities that you planned five years ago. It throws you opportunities at strange times and and in in ways that you might not have thought of. And I think that flexibility to say, you know what, this is not what I was thinking two years ago, but it is consistent with what I want out of my life. And it's a it's a step in a in a direction that I'm not sure what the end point is, but I know that it's a step towards something that is better than than what I'm doing at the moment. And would you say a lot of that is gut feeling? There's something sort of deep down that's telling you, yep, I don't really know why completely that's the right decision, but there's something nudging me in that direction. Yeah, I find that really hard for me because I've always I'm I'm very very lucky that I'm a I'm a happy person and I've never been well I guess I did say at the start of this I knew I didn't want to be an investment banker for the rest of my life but I wasn't unhappy doing that either I wasn't going to work every day saying I hate what I'm doing I made some wonderful friends there and I had an amazing experience and and I thoroughly enjoyed it so I think for me I've been less clear about what it is that I've wanted to do, but I've just made sure I tried to enjoy every day and every week and and tried to get the most out of whatever was in front of me at the time rather than thinking it was something different that was going to change my my overall level of, of happiness, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I know when we lived together in Sydney, you were always somebody that was sort of seeing the positives in things. One question I have for you is working with a business partner, have you always done your business with your business partner? No, uh, we started together back in 2004 and Greg is still a shareholder in our business and he's on our board, but he left the day-to-day operations of the business back in 2010 and hasn't really worked with us since. So we're still close and he's still involved in our business, but we haven't worked side by side now for well, 10 years. And we, we, we started as friends as well, and I think that's a common, I don't think it's always a good place to start um, in business. It, it's worked out really well for both of us, and I think we've both been fairly pragmatic through the years about what we were good at, what was going to work for the business, and, and you know, particularly at, at Greg's End, making some decisions around that that have been good for the business and maybe not necessarily what he had envisaged early on. Uh but it's it's fraught with danger, I think, because we have struggled all along with what's more important here. Is the business more important or is our friendship more important? And I, and I think that can be very difficult. And how on earth do you find that balance? Are you just super honest with each other and candid? Uh, look, I, I don't even know that we ever did found, find the balance. I think, if anything, our friendship has probably gotten in the way I think when it came to the crunch for both of us the friendship probably was more important I think we ended up making some difficult decisions and some right decisions for the business but I think in times of crisis if you said to me you really have to make a choice here about whether you you completely give up your friendship with this person or you give up the business honestly I probably would have walked away from from the business rather than the friendship. And I think that probably held us back at times a little bit as a business around making some difficult decisions. And so running your own company, what does success look like to you? Whew, that's a difficult question. <laughs> we've uh, we've actually been through a very difficult period these last couple of years. So it, I think it's made us ask some questions about that that we hadn't necessarily asked. I think 
So when I talk about this business that I'm in now, it's a funds management business that, like I said, we started under the umbrella of another company and we ended up selling that other company and we've been left with the funds management business. And we didn't, again, really sit down with a grand plan. It was the middle of the financial crisis and we said, well, it might be a good time to start a fund. And we just started a fund and it sort of snowballed from there and we ended up with two funds. We hadn't planned on doing international, but you know there was a point in time when the Australian dollar was very high and we were encouraging our clients to invest their money overseas and they said, well, why don't you do it for us? So we started an international fund and then that fund is now bigger than our Australian fund. So we didn't ever really sit down with a grand plan and we didn't think about um, success. We probably didn't even think about it enough in order to say what is it going to take for us to get there and I think this past few years for us have been quite difficult. Um, Our style of investing hasn't been working as well as it was prior to that and it's actually made us stop and ask that question eight years into the business rather than (laughs) than right at the start and and I don't think it's consistent I don't think every single person in the business wants the same thing out of it and I think as you grow and evolve that's the challenge me personally my main objective is to make money for my clients and I like investing in small companies at a small part of the market and that's actually quite constraining in terms of how big the business can be. Uh, If you want to be big in funds management, you need to invest in big companies because it's the only universe in in which you can invest. So, you know, we've got people that want to build careers in our business and would like to do other things and potentially bigger things and and I think my, my constraints around what I want out of this job and life have been a bit of a constraint on the business as well. So, We've had to rethink all of that. We've had to rethink what the structure of the business is that allows us to grow. And I'd say we'd probably define it now that that I, as the founder of this business, can keep enjoying that bit that I like, which is smaller stocks, but we do provide pathways to other people in this business to build their own little funds out of what we've done and that, that experience that I've got can be passed on to other people. And we would like to end up with something that you know is delivering for for staff and for shareholders and for the clients as That's well. That's really interesting that your stakeholders aren't just your clients. It also includes your staff and yourself because I think a lot of people entering into starting their own company, success is financial, whereas actually there's so many other areas to consider as sort of work-life balance, travel, um, opportunity, growth, learning, all of those other things that come into play. Yeah, and I think when you start out, I think I have a lot of conversations with people when they start out where they do contemplate what if this goes wrong. You know, they think I'm, I'm going to put a certain amount of money into this. Uh, I'm going to give it a crack and I really hope it succeeds and I want it to succeed, but I've, I've contemplated a scenario where it doesn't and I think I can deal with that. I think that's pretty common that people think about that scenario. They don't necessarily think about what their life is going to be like if they're successful and maybe if they're successful in a different way from what they originally anticipated. And you end up in a situation where there are a lot of people, clients, staff, shareholders that are all very dependent on you. And and we've spent a lot of time in our business over the past few years trying to reduce that dependence on me, but it is still still quite a a burden and it, it does take a lot of that flexibility away in terms of the life that you might want to lead if you otherwise had the money that you get out of your business being successful. You don't necessarily get to enjoy that until you can get your business to a point where it's not as dependent as as it was and and that can be a very challenging and difficult time. 
I hadn't even thought about that. I definitely went into this thinking, well, worst case scenario, what is, what's the worst that can happen if I do this and it doesn't work? I hadn't thought about best case and actually what that would mean as well, because that, as you just said, has huge implications on all the other factors in your life. Um, what, do, what do you enjoy the most about running your own company? I, I do enjoy the freedom uh, to choose our own path. And, and I say we because I think whether it was me running my own company or I was walk, working with this same team that someone else owned it, I'd still feel like the control over our destiny here is the most important thing for me. And, and I say that because we make some decisions that wouldn't necessarily hold up in a corporate world. You know, we're, we're trying to optimise, I think, our our utility by doing that, but it's not necessarily something that would fit into a corporate structure. And for me, that ability to control that is really important. And ultimately, I get to do something that that I really love every day. Amazing. And what is, you know, what's coming? What is it that you enjoy the least? I struggle with the staff development side of it. And I, I struggle with the responsibility for people's careers as well. Uh, I, I think I've always been very self-driven, even when I worked for other people and I was a grad at Macquarie. I don't ever remember anyone coming up to me and saying, we're going to sit down and give you all of this advice about how to get the most out of your career. It was go to work every day and if you make the bank money, you'll get paid and if you don't, you won't. And I quite enjoyed that environment. I've never really had help with that path myself and I find it difficult then turning around. I think most people need a bit more guidance and a bit more assistance and a, and a bit more help and a few more rungs on that ladder to get what they want out of life. And I find that really hard. And I think the people that work for me find it hard as well, that I just want to get on with my job and do what I do rather than uh, invest significant amounts of time in, in their careers as well. And I think that's it's not good for them and it's not good for us as a business either. Is it sort of the onus on you as a business owner that you want and need to invest in your, your teams, but you're kind of wanting to get on with your bits? Well, I guess, I mean, you might have some insight into this because you did live with me for a year, but <laughs> I think for me, it's not something that I enjoy and I recognise that it's something that's really important. So I, I push myself and I drive myself. And is it something that you, to solve that, you've delegated to other people or you've just accepted that that is part of your job and that's the bit that you're not drawn to? A little bit of both. Uh, we brought a CEO into the business three or four years ago who is quite good at that part of it. Um, he, he does some of my role, but he also drags me into doing the things that he knows that I need to do. I think bringing him in has put some structures and some discipline in place that has um, just forced me to do it. And then I think I'd say my general experience is trying to get people to bend or mould themselves into something that they're not is fairly fruitless. <laughs> You're better off with yourself and I think with most other people as well saying, what are you good at and how do we as a company compensate for the things that you're not good at elsewhere? Because, you know, for 20 years there have been things that I have battled with as a as a boss and as a leader that I still battle with today. And, and you know, I think the, the company and the business has gone better the more we've handed that stuff off to other people rather than me actually changing and who did you listen to for advice when you first started? I'm a bit of a um, go away and read a book and 
think about things from first principles more than a, you know, there's been someone show me everything and and we've followed a, a path. I think we've suffered a little bit for that at times. You know, we've gone down paths that we maybe shouldn't have and uh, I think some of the issues we've had over the past years are a consequence of us not necessarily having enough experience around us. It's been a lot of different people, a lot of reading and a lot of trial and error. And do you think the errors, the trial and errors, the testing, that's taught you the most? Yes, yeah. And I think in any business you need to do a lot of it. The chances of the business that you originally envisaged when you started being an outrageous success are pretty slim. But the chances of you stumbling on something as you started and you try a bunch of different things and your clients go, oh, I love this little piece of what you're doing, but I'm not really that interested in what you're doing over there. Some of that is becoming very scientific. You know, you've got Facebook and you've got Instagram and all of these ways of testing ideas uh, very scientifically and getting feedback. In. It was actually something Alan Moss, who was, he was the CEO of Macquarie Bank here in Australia for a, a long time, and Greg and I caught up with him maybe four or five years into the business and we were considering starting this Australian fund and you know, his advice was you should be starting as many things as you possibly can because you don't want to overstretch yourself here and make sure you lose focus on your core business but also the world changes and your business is going to change and, and I think you need to change with it. So I, I think right from the start, you know, I know so many examples of successful businesses where the people who started it say this was not the original plan we had, you know. I think that goes back to your point about being really flexible and keeping your eyes open because, I mean, anyone starting a company, as you said, they have an idea of what they want out of it and where it could go because otherwise they wouldn't start. But then as you go along, you learn so much, you adapt and you learn more about yourself as well and what drives you and where you want to go. I think that's absolutely right. And I think every business has different phases of its life as well. You might be the right person to run up for the first five years and not the right person to take that business from five years to 10. I think this concept of 5 million, 50 million in terms of revenue, it works pretty loosely well that you can get to 5 million as a person and you know, your own creativity and your own work might get you to $5 million of revenue. It's a ceiling for a lot of businesses to get above that because that's when you need to start having infrastructure, other people, scalability to your business and, and it's maybe a completely different management style or skill set that's going to take that business to the next level. And I think the most successful ones have constantly been able to recognise that about the business and themselves that uh, it may not be me or I need to learn a new skill set for this business to, to take the next step, you know, assuming you're successful with the first one. What is your best advice when it comes to managing clients and their expectations? Be truthful is my number one piece of advice. I've said this a few times, but we've just come out the other end of a very difficult few years for our business. And I think the first eight years when things were going really well of us telling people it's not always going to be like this and you need to recognise that the returns that we provide for you are going to be lumpy. And then in the long term, you're not wasting time rehashing the same conversation. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Is there a moment in your business that you look back and just face plant into your palm and think, God, I wish I'd never done that? I would say the main regrets for me are recruitment mistakes. I say that from my perspective, from the business's perspective, and most of all from the perspective of the person that we employed that wasn't the right person. 
it doesn't work for anyone, for someone to get a job that's not the right job. I think you need to unwind those decisions quickly in business when you when you recognise that it's not right, but getting it right from the start is a far less painful way of going about it. And how, how would you advise anybody to solve that? I would start getting some proper training about recruitment or bringing someone into your business. One of the first people you bring in has got a lot of experience doing it and doing it well. My experience has been that the more scientific you are about it, the better. Most of all, go and get some training and spend some time doing some online courses about how to recruit well because I think in, I look at hundreds of businesses every year and all of the successful ones would say to you recruitment and HR, HR are the two most important things of any successful business. Thank you. Great to chat with you, Jules. Thank you to Jono for his advice. Steve has always been good counsel, especially when we lived together as flatmates in Sydney. And at the time, it was mostly advice about running as well as who not to date. But I'm now very glad to get his counsel on what I should be aware of when starting the company. His point about recruitment rings really true, as I've often thought you can have the best job in the world on paper, but it's the people that really make or break a job. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up, hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR consultancy for startups, Fallowfield and Mason. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. I would be delighted if you'd rate, review and share this podcast with anyone else who might be starting a company in 2020. 